This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Geekscapists, this is the Geekscape X-Men Apocalypse wrap-up spoiler-filled episode with Ian Kerner. So if you haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse, you probably don't want to listen to this. Um, If you have seen it, well, we're going to really get into the details. So Ian's here with me, and you know how we do it. We did it for Batman vs. Superman. We did it for Captain America. Uh, I think we did it for Daredevil Season 2. We did. So if there's a comic book property that's been brought to the screen... Big screen or small screen, we're going to talk about it. And this one's X-Men Apocalypse. Unless we miss it. Unless we miss it. Yeah. Unless we can't get the... Uh, yeah, I guess Deadpool we missed. Yeah. So, sorry about that, Geekscapist. But we are going to talk about this one. So, uh, again, if you want to avoid spoilers, they're pretty much going to start right now. So, turn this off if you haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse. But let's get to it. This is the ninth movie that Fox has made with the X-Men property. I mean, the the... This is the third in this newest trilogy, post First Class, and then you've got the two Wolverine movies mm-hmm. with a third on the way, and then you've got Deadpool. Yep, with a million Deadpool's on the way. So with the X Men property, here we go. We got this one, and Ian, we did not see this movie together. We did not. So you flaked. I did not flake. <laughs> I did well. I think flaking would have been if I really had just ghosted. Like, you got the tickets and then, okay. like, like, the day of. Right. And like, uh, but I told you. Uh, Me asking Wayne in advance if you want to go. You're saying you definitely have to see definitely. it with you and then canceling yeah. before. I guess it's not flaking. Uh, Laura got tickets to a different event. And considering it was, our, uh, it was our anniversary weekend, and I didn't want that weekend to be, feel painful. So it's fine. It's yeah. fine. But I did end up seeing it. I yeah. just didn't see it with the Ian commentary. But, dude. Uh, I, I'll tell you this. I said it a few weeks ago, I think, when you and I were doing this show, or maybe I said it on the main podcast. I was really looking forward to this podcast, or to this movie. I, I wasn't. I was, because I love Apocalypse as a villain. Mm-hmm. I do like the X-Men movies, for the most part. I think the, the Fox X-Men movies have been uh, more good than bad. Yeah. And I love the idea of, a, of an X-Men movie set in the Claremont Burn 80s, and we get... Some of the members of the core team back that we've been missing from sure. first class and from Days of Future Past, we get the we get mainly Gene and Scott back, mm-hmm. and I love that. And here we go, we got Apocalypse. There's some kind of shoehorning that has to take place for Apocalypse to to to, to then be taking on these X Men in their nascency of their powers. Because when I see Apocalypse, I'm like, no, I want Apocalypse to go up against like leader Scott Summers sure. and like I want to see them like take on the X-Men at the top of the X-Men's powers and here we have you know Gene is new to the team Scott's new to the team uh, there are a couple of new students that are introduced in this movie Nightcrawler 
And yeah, uh, when it, when I started hearing the reviews for this movie, my excitement started to dampen. And then when I started seeing uh, talking to people who'd seen it, although I avoided pretty much all spoilers, I started getting less and less excited. And then I went and saw it. You'd already seen it. You'd told me keep the expectations low, and I don't really know how I feel about this movie. Well, look, look. You know, for me, when I heard this movie was announced, I wasn't excited. Particularly, I wasn't excited as I heard that Cable wasn't going to be in it. Now, if you go back to the beginnings of Apocalypse, Cable's not around. So talking from a comic standpoint. So that's fine. But, and again, not to jump right into the comic stuff too early, but I just want to set a tone yeah, for important. Jonathan. I think it's important for the context. Yeah, which is that... Apocalypse's first appearance is, was it X-Factor 6? Okay, this is a character that, that came, it's the 80s, it's right after Fall of the Mutants, where Angel has just been skewered. Okay, now, this is important because understanding the context you just brought up, this is, X-Factor was originally a comic that it was the original X-Men. So, and I'm going to really break down what, what these movies have done, what these prequel movies have done. You know, you had in the comic books the original X-Men where Cyclops, Jean Grey, who was originally Marvel Girl, Iceman, Angel, and Beast. Okay? Um, after the X-Men, you know, they did 66 issues. Uh, the book didn't do well. It was canceled. They published reprints for a while. Yeah. Um, and then in the 90s, somewhere in the 90s, you started having the, the book in the, come back. In issue nine, first it was Johnson's X-Men number one, and that was yeah. issue 94. And that was... Um, but that was... Havoc, it was Len, it was Len Wein and then Claremont took over. But the Havoc Polaris issue, that version of the team was earlier. That was earlier. That was pre. Havoc and Pol- Polaris were introduced, um, like the Neil Gaiman issues, like, like the 57, 58, yeah. year around there. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I've been Neil Adams. Um, so the thing is, and I, I'm actually, I, I'm going to reference the comics a lot, and I want to talk about something that is an article I sent you that I've been thinking about a lot, which is about how you know comic book time. And some of the things that these prequels have done. But my initial point was just that, for me, there was some interesting stuff going on in the comics at that, that time. I didn't find Apocalypse initially a very interesting villain. Um, Apocalypse got much more interesting to me later with some history. Once you had the cable connection. Um, really, this movie was originally going to be called Age of Apocalypse. But they thought it sounded too much like Age of Ultron. And Age of Apocalypse is a story. was an interesting story about time being changed and ending up in an alternate timeline where Apocalypse ruled. And that isn't what this movie was, though there's a sign where, where this movie might, could have maybe become that. Um, that's an interesting story. Um, but again, that's an interesting story when it's adult X-Men and you're suddenly in a world with adult X-Men that lived a different life. Right. You know? Um, the reality is that Age of Apocalypse in many ways is a retread of Days of Future Past and what we, what we really would have gotten is some semblance of something of like the future world that we saw in, in the Days of Future Past movie that, you know, was rewritten. Um, so, again, I wasn't excited just from the premise. The other reason I wasn't that excited going in is, you know, it's funny, um, talking about podcasts we've done, um, I actually tell this story a lot because it makes me laugh. I had been really excited first for first one. class. <laughs> and, and I came out of the movie going like, oh, I felt like I liked it. And then we sat down and started talking about it. And I started tearing it apart. And you turned to me and you said, are you sure you like this movie? 
And yeah, just a simple yes or no question. And, and, and ultimately, and, and, and look at that, I was like, because so much about that movie pissed me off. Um, and, and that's just it. From the get-go, these movies, you know, Fox said we have this, this, this franchise, we want to really do stuff with it, and they were developing a lot of different ideas. And you and, saw what Simon Kinberg said on a podcast recently, that the, he loves the, the cast of the Fantastic Four movies. Currently. Yes, I did see he and, said that. He doesn't want to, you know, he wants to maybe keep going. I mean, I don't know if that's spin or what, but, um, yeah. Well, anyway, um, looking at First Class, you know, obviously there's a whole podcast of that, which I think you people can probably access if they wanted to. But the thing was, you know, the idea there was, or they had been developing a Magneto Origins movie and the idea of an X-Men First Class movie. And they literally took these two scripts and they hodgepodge them together. And the movie's uneven. It doesn't work for these reasons. But, again, without breaking down the whole thing, right away you get into things, you get into issues about anachronisms. You know, there's also issues about characters that don't make sense. Uh, Havoc as a character doesn't make sense because if you know the comics, you know that Havoc, Alex Summers, is Scott Summers' brother. In the comics, he's younger, but even if he's a little bit older, whatever. But right away we see First Class and it's 1963 and here's Havoc and how is this Scott Summers' brother? Right, and then yeah. he had an appearance. I think he had a brief appearance in the Vietnam sequence in 1973. Yes, in Days of Future Past. Yeah, and, and, and so ultimately, where I'm going with this is, they they hit upon this interesting idea of well, the relevance of 1963 is that's actually when X Men Number One came out, and X Men Number One actually centered on a whole storyline with Magneto, and you know, basically, you know, hitting you know like a NASA base. You know, like, I mean, that's what that story was. So it, it's a nod to it. And there's something kind of cool about it. Um, I have, again, a lot of issues with the movie. But, you know, for the sake of this, I want to talk about the, this whole timeline thing that they're doing. Uh, because the timeline's really problematic. And so then, you know, the second movie, they decided to jump into the 70s. And now with this one, they decided to jump into the 80s. They want to do this whole feel. And it, it's interesting to pay homage to the history of the comics. But what you end up with, is, is this problem, and the problem is that, or maybe it isn't a problem, it depends on your point of view. I'm about to reference a different franchise, but there's, people have discussed in the past that the Batman movies pre-Nolan, you know, the Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney movies, each movie represents a different decade in Batman's history. You've heard this argument before? Um, I see it now, yeah. but, it, but it goes backwards. It's like... yeah. It's like the 89 Keaton Batman is literally 89 Batman, maybe Arkham Asylum area Batman because that was a big influence on Tim Burton. And then as you go backwards towards Keaton, it works its way back towards 1960s camp. Yeah, I can see that. Perhaps. Um, so with this, my problem is if the movies are meant to be representative of different ages, I don't think they do it well. There isn't a different flavor in the movies. The, honestly, the filmmaking's not at that level. It's not that good. I mean, particularly, I sat watching this movie going, okay, well, there were a lot of rumors. Maybe tell us what to be Dazzler. Pardon me. Why the hell do you do X-Men in the 80s and not do Dazzler? Right, right. I mean, great. Jubilee was wearing some loud colors. But well, Jubilee's more of a 90s character, exactly. if anything. Not, right. not, she is a 90s character. Early 90s, but still. It's, you know, it's... Yeah. I mean... Yeah, Vanilla Ice type 90s. Yeah. It, it's like, it's literally like, there's absolutely nothing about this movie that says 80s. Nothing. And it wouldn't have changed the movie one way or another. Not, not in yeah. any way. N- not technology. Not anything. 
Right. Literally, literally, there's only one reason to make this movie in the 80s. If you're trying to shoehorn this cast that is younger X-Men from the first trilogy. Right. Dating back to, what was it, 1999, 2000? Yeah, it was 2000. You know? So, so, so that would be the reason. set up the James Marsden and right. Fomke Johnson. Now, and, and I'm sort of fine with that, but again, the problem that was set up in the first movie is, in this movie, we actually find out Havoc is his brother, and we look at this Havoc, and it's like, well, he still he looks 25. Yeah. He should yeah. be 45. I mean, if anything, well, when that came out, we were thinking maybe he's going to be his father. Moira McTaggart's not a mutant. Right. And, and, well, at least yeah. they make a joke of that, how she still she still looks great. It looks great. Yeah, it's been 20 years since I've seen yeah. her. She looks I mean, she was at least in her late 20s in 1963. Yeah. I mean, she should be She's around 50. Good. And, you know, I mean, pretty good. Eh, you know, but yeah, problematic. I mean, Xavier. Sure. You know, what's going on here? In, in Wolverine Origins, which set probably around the same time, right? Wolverine Origins would have taken place sometime in this 80s era, yeah. I think. Yeah, but that whole Weapon X sequence is so... The opening of that movie kind of weirds me out. But yeah, I hear you. Okay. has to be the 80s, and we get Patrick Stewart at the end of that. So that, right. that's a problem. So literally, I mean, this so took me out of the movie in so many ways. But... Well, what are you supposed to do? But, I mean, you only well, Wait, wait. To, so, yeah. so, so let me say this, though. But an interesting point was made about how Marvel Comics, when it originally started, was actually not officially... But had what Valiant does, where it was sort of real time. You actually saw the Fantastic Four getting older. You know, Reed and Sue got married. They had a baby. The baby started aging. Peter Parker. I mean, people talk about you know the uh, Spider-Man movies coming out soon. The fact that they're going to do four of them in high school. He was only in high school for nine issues or twelve issues in the original. No, it's right? like twenty-eight. Like, but, twenty-eight issues. But still, that's not a lot of time. No. It was like two years in no, real time. No, considering there's four hundred plus. Yeah. Issues I mean, of just core amazing right. Spider-Man. Yeah, that's not a lot of time. Like he graduates high school. He, you know, and I mean, so it's it's close to real time. I mean, think about it like this: Amazing Spider-Man came out. Was it nineteen sixty-three? Right. No, Amazing Spider-Man number one. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic Four is sixty-one. Sixty-one. Sixty-two or sixty-three. Yeah. Yeah. So meanwhile. Think about it like this. Punisher's first appearance is issue 129. It's 1974, right? Yeah. You like that I, I know that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I called one that it, yeah. most people know, right? Yeah. Um, How dare you? Well, guess what? At that point, yeah. Peter Parker's long out of high school. He's well into college. Yeah. Okay? I mean, at this point, Gwen Stacy's already died. He's, he's with Mary Jane now. I mean, time's gone by. Like, they, they specifically reference it at, at this point in comics, in Fantastic Four, in Spider-Man, and I'm going to deal with X-Men in a second because that's what I want to talk about. I'm just using the other characters to illustrate this. But years have gone by. So in X-Men, you had 66 issues of the original X-Men team. Okay? When early on, um, issue uh, 35, Spider-Man's in. Okay. Okay? They established pretty early on that Johnny Storm of the Fantastic Four, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, and Bobby Drake Iceman are all the same age. Yeah. And that is what, 1971? The, no, I mean, but way back when, in the, in the early 60s, they have the same age. They were all kids like 15 years old. Okay. Okay. But when that issue actually came and, out, that one you're referencing, to 35. Oh, uh, it's probably what? like 1966. Okay. Okay. Um, so they're all about the same age, and in the X Men, they actually early issues actually talk about the age that Bobby's so young. Although at that age, it makes a difference. Right. You know, Scott, Gene, and Angel are only about a year older. Right. 
Hank Penn, uh, I'm sorry, Hank McCoy, Beast, he's older than the rest of them, a couple of years, and the super genius. He's already out of high school when he gets recruited. Like he's, you know, initially he's this big sports he's hero. Like a college and he's, age kid is what you're yeah. Well, they don't actually call it out in the studies of it, but after issue 66, the book goes on hiatus, and there's, there's only a handful of X-Men appearances over the next five years or so. But one of the most important ones is you have uh, Amazing Adventures number t- uh, 11 to 18, in which you have <laughs> Hank McCoy okay. as the Beast, has now gotten a job at the Brand Corporation, and he's doing research, and this is where he, get, he develops, he's basically developing a formula to isolate muta- mutate, mutation, okay? Yeah. And then terrorists come in, and he decides, he decides he needs to drink it to save it. Right. And that's how he morphs into, you know, the... The Blue Beast, the, blue the beast. ever-loving Beast. Yes, the, the hairy Beast. Um, at this point, he's a doctor. Like, he got his college degree and doctorate at Xavier's. <laughs> okay? Right. Okay. Um, yeah, they, give, they give those out. Well, sure. fine. Higher <laughs> learning, whatever. Yeah. You know, you're gonna argue, you want to argue no, the, the, the credentials no. of, of Charles jet, Xavier? They have a jet in, yeah. the, in the parking but lot. But <laughs> my point is that they have no... In, at this point, with Marvel Comics, time goes by. It's more or less real time. You know, there's no question in anyone's mind that shortly thereafter, was it uh, Avengers, I think, 134, that uh, Beast and Hellcat join? Yeah. You know, so Beast becomes a mainstay in the Avengers for a while. But somewhere in the mid-70s, Marvel stopped doing that. Mid to late 70s, they needed came down saying, we can't keep aging our characters because they're going to get too old. Yeah, we're going to end up... So they literally said, sort of, they froze time. Right. You know, and an argument can be made that these movies are sort of, you know... This homage to it doesn't matter. The X Men happened at different times. The comics were published. They came out at different times. We but what frustrates me yeah. is I feel they should have been more touchstones, more in this movie than the other two. The, in First Class, they definitely gave it a sixties feel. Yeah. You know, it was like that Playboy Club kind of thing early on in the movie was with Martin McTaggart. Yeah, it was yeah. Matthew Vaughn. And, and the seventies one got a little bit with Wolverine in the clothes and all that. I would right? love for him to put on the cowboy hat. Yeah, maybe I would have too. Yeah. But but more or less the outfit was there, you know. So you had that feeling more or less. I, I didn't really feel it in this one, and I, this was ripe for opportunity. But I really didn't feel it. Well, I yeah no okay so that that mind you all that's probably it, it's a quibble, but it's something I wanted to discuss about about the whole reboot in itself has bothered me. Because that's been a problem. And that, right. That's my, my semi-justification for it, but it bugs me. But then, obviously, Deadpool is modern day. And right. is that and, and he's got a modern day Colossus. And that's fine. And That actually works. Do they catch up to him? Well, they haven't yet. Right. Which is what actually... But I'm happy for that. Right. I because... Think ha- I think it's going to happen. Because, but, but for all the problems with this movie, I'm happy it hasn't caught up. I don't need to cut up. Well, and by the way, you say it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Not because, with this current cast of right. Young X-Men? It shouldn't happen with this cast. And since there's probably no plans to do James Marsden and Halle Berry and certainly not Hugh Jackman no, all I that. Think that's, I think they've sailed. Yeah. And maybe that's okay. Maybe that isn't. But them doing X-Force on Monday and all that, well, that can work. It can work fine. Sure. Well, you if, if you introduce Cable, then the top time hopping can happen and they can pull people that, forward, they can absolutely. pull people backwards, you get all absolutely. sorts of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff you can do there. Uh, I think none of that, okay, that stuff, sure, it bothered me. I think what bothered me the most in this movie, which, although I had tempered my expectations, thanks to you guys. Well, uh, let, 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 let's say this. Well, I, I go into this movie with low expectations, and listen, 
the bar has now been set very high by things like Civil War. Sure. Okay? So I went to this movie trying to put that aside, going, there's that, which is such a high bar. I went in comparing this to the other X-Men Fox movies. Yeah, no, I think we all did. I think, I think in, in, uh, and I, I added to that because your emails were saying, dude, temper your expectations. And I did. Uh, I, I, we had friends walking out hating it. I walked out going, like, oh, I was yeah, entertained. Yeah, no, yeah, there, there were, there were sequences, of the movie, sequences of the movie that I thought were impressive. Yeah. Uh, but there are some head-scratching the, moments. I think the, structurally, and if I can say this, I think structurally the movie is the first act doesn't end. There's, yes. there's the first act just doesn't end, and then there's a fight at the end, because there's yeah the movie just kind of starts and just pods along. But the well, yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I, I started playing this game because mm-hmm. you introduce uh, the, the, it's tough because I, I the next day after I watched this movie I emailed Ian and I said I know I watched the next one movie I can't remember a whole lot about mm-hmm, it because mm-hmm. there's parts of this that are just. Plotting is a good uh, a good word for it, but it opens on Apocalypse getting regenerated into another form, and there's an assassination attempt, and Apocalypse so, is buried under his own uh, pyramid for millennia, and then all of a sudden so, so, we're, so, in, we're in 1983. So, 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 so let me say something about Apocalypse yeah. that the movie doesn't cover, which is one of the biggest problems I have with the movie. In the comics, there in Marvel comics, and again, we have to always recognize that you have a problem because you have... Fox has X-Men and the Mutant stuff, but they right. don't have the rest. But the comics, of course, were never pu- weren't published that way, always took into all of Marvel's history in- into effect. Apocalypse from the get-go is actually influenced strongly by another Marvel concept called the Celestials, mm-hmm. which are these space gods, these giants that have affected mutation. No, you see them, in, you see them in Guardians of the Galaxy. They're yes. in the head. Yes. Nowhere, Nowhere is, is the head of a Celestial. Right. Um, and... The idea that's very important ultimately to Cable also is that there's a ship that Apocalypse has and it's a celestial ship and it actually ends up becoming sentient and being known as ship. Um, And there's technology that comes with that. And as I'm watching this movie, fine, you tell me Apocalypse is a mutant and his power is to actually save another mutant's power. It's fine. That's not what I saw. I literally saw him using technology and I'm I'm going... What the hell is going on? It's thousands of years ago. What is this technology? Why is this technology? He's got this gold. What's going on? This gold cybernetics technology. And you get this scene, but... My- it's literally like it's, well, we're going to fudge it. We're not going to tell you the Celestials because we don't have the right to use them. But that's actually what's going on here, wink, wink. So, I mean, is that what you got? Because um, I, I got nothing else, right? I'm, I'm, I was trying to judge the movie on its own rules. So on its own rules, it ain't fucking there. Right. So I'm sitting here watching this thing, and... He transfers bodies. He survives the assassination attempt, but he's, he's trapped under this rubble. And apparently when he transfers bodies, he gains the other powers. Because, by right. the way, to be clear, these are not the powers of Apocalypse in the comics at all. Right. No. And so you get Moira McTaggart, and she's investigating this Apocalypse cult. And she goes down into the, into the desert of modern day. She goes under, underneath 1983 Cairo, which doesn't have any sewer, I guess, because underneath the street, not a, but 100 yards, is this... Ancient crypt, which nobody's discovered, except for these acolytes of Apocalypse right. who are down there in the dark. And the second she uh, uh, breaks open this thing and sunlight hits this ancient technology, Apocalypse starts to awaken and creates uh, an earthquake that's felt wor- around the world and a psychic blast, which uh, causes Gene to have problems. And, and uh, obviously Charles sees it. And here's, here's where I get it, it, like a problem. I'm like, oh, great. We now have the introduction of our villain... 
Charles is going to, uh, you know, reach out to Ma- Moira. Moira is going to have some answers for him, and they're going to pursue the answer to who this new mutant is. And it's going to be a race against time as Apocalypse tries to rule the world, and Charles starts to stop him. Nope. Pause. We're going to fly over to Mystique and Eric for their storylines, and the movie just puts on parking brakes in the whole momentum of Charles having to pursue this question of who this new mutant is in his power set just takes a back seat to another setup for ultimately what every X-Men movie with Magneto in it is, which is every single one except the Wolverine movies and Deadpool is, Eric, you're better than this. That has been the crux of every ending of these X-Men movies is like, Eric, you're about to do some bad stuff. You're better than this. And, And worse, you know, when First Class came out, Hunger Games hadn't come out yet. And then Jennifer Lawrence blows up into this giant star. So then Days of Future Past and this movie have to be completely mystique Jennifer Lawrence-centric because, oh, we have her under contract. We can get her to do it. And are these movies, it's fucking pointless. Are they, good? are they great in these roles? Sure. Are these roles great? Well, the writing is not very... I mean, I mean, this movie, I mean literally... I, wait, wait. You watch the trailer to this movie and the thing you want going into this movie is literally the last minute of the movie. Yeah. And the trailer makes you think like this is what the movie's about. And it, it literally it takes us it take it took us three movies to get to now we're actually X-Men. Honestly, at the end of the first movie I thought they were fucking X-Men. Yeah, they're all standing on the beach in Cuba and they're X-Men. Yeah, but then the second movie it's never mind. Right. And then it's 10 years later he's actually been doing the school for 10 years and Hank's actually building the plane and doing all those things but they're actually not X-Men. Yeah. They're actually not doing that. And, I mean, that was the ultimate thing. It's like, so it's a bunch of neophyte X-Men that don't know what they're doing. They go up against, and I know we're jumping ahead, but they go up against these ultra-powerful mutants. I want to discuss why they're ultra-powerful in a minute. And they're not that badass. Like, and ultimately, the whole point of the X-Men, and something I loved even in the early X-Men, is that from the get-go, Scott's trained. He's like, I mean, Scott Summers, to me, the analogy I always like to use is classic... Dick Grayson, trained since he's a kid to do this. Sure. I mean, you know, way back when in the early 80s, there there was a crossover. They did an an Uncanny X-Men, New Teen Titans crossover. These were the two biggest comics. And they crossed them over. And it was, the ultimate thing was, it was Cyclops and Robin working together because they're, they're like the same. Yeah. You know, they were, they're born to this. This is what they do. They're more than a leader. They train. And they're strategists. You know, and that's the whole point. And ultimately, it's something that you got that, the Avengers do also, and in the Marvel comics, it's very much about, it's like, they can beat people that are better and stronger than them because they use teamwork. And this team of X-Men, well, they don't have any training. They don't, they don't do anything. They haven't done anything. They have no business beating any of these people. Right. You know? Um, so, big yeah. problem plot-wise for me in that. And these movies would survive. I, I, I'm looking at this movie, and I'm like, this movie's plot would absolutely benefit if we didn't have to put the bargain breaks on it and be like no wait Magneto has to suffer another personal tragedy right Magneto has to suffer another personal tragedy and they don't have a story anymore for Charles so they have to say you know he didn't come as far as he should have by now instead of saying okay he's doing he's training them and all and all these other mutants are trained it's like no we want to use shoehorn the ones that we want we want to bring them together so they don't have any training they don't work together they don't do that you know, and, and that really bothered me a lot. 
Meanwhile, um, Apocalypse is co- collecting his horsemen. So meanwhile, Apocalypse which... collecting his horsemen. So let's go back. Um, the f- first, we, we, we actually see a scene early on in the movie. There's a fight club going on because mutants are, you know, um, apparently, you know, an underground slave, you know, ring. And it has to happen in and East Germany. So, of course, it's East Germany. And for some reason, I have no idea, Angel's in it. Now... Yeah. There's zero explanation for the fact that the last time we saw Angel in X3, and that was, that was the, the yeah. aught years of the 2000s, sure. you know, and he's a late teens at that point. He's wealthy. Um, and he's a billionaire. Which he, he you know. just, that is consistent with the book. That's consistent with the book, although my issue was that timeline-wise, Angel should be contemporary to the older X-Men. So now they're going, sure. we're going to make him contemporary. So that part, yeah, he's contemporary. But... For some reason, he sold to slavery, and he's a badass. Yeah. yeah they cast like someone Billy, who essentially like looks scrawny. Yeah, he's like, okay. Billy, he's like a Billy Idol type style and everything. Yeah, so to, it's essentially that, and you know, and the badassery of it is that we see he has wings and he has little talons on the top of them, and right away we see he's just beat someone who from behind seems it's very blob. blob-like. That is the blob. Except that, how the fuck is that the blob? And he knocked them over. He knocked... Because he has wings in a confined space? Yeah, in a confined space. is Yeah, he's, he's the champion in a place where he can't fly. Now again, let's reference X3, because Bob's in X3. He's badass. He's super strong, you know. Um, actually, no, I'm sorry, it's not you're Bob. Talking about, yeah, you're talking yeah, about Juggernaut. I'm sorry, regardless. This is not a good version of Bob. What? Bob can't be moved. Yeah, Bob can't be moved. Bob is super strong. And some wings and little talons aren't going to stop Bob. Sure, and especially not in a confined space, but yeah, this, that's what we get, okay? And, and, and that, if that's going to hold you up, it's going to be a much longer movie than it, for you than it was for me. So I'm watching this scene. So in, Angel's in, so yeah. badass that we end up seeing that Apocalypse is, gonna, is ultimately going to collect the strong because he won some, fuck, some fights the in a confined strong. space. And this is the strongest? I mean... The most strong. Um, the strongest. He didn't check Weapon X because they got something in a box there. Clearly, yeah, yeah. And the, I mean, and, and, mind you, I mean, Charles and Gene should be the horsemen if he's if he's if he's if the, he's drawn the, to the most powerful. There's an argument to be made that he's going by the strong based on what he hears, and you on know, 80s television. yeah, he plugs into the TV, which again, the Johnny I, Five I, I don't know why why he could do that, but fine. Um, so he learned about Magneto. Fine, you know. He, you know, he comes across Storm through happenstance. Okay. Um, collects Psylocke that way. I mean, there's no way he'd know about Wolverine. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So he does have to discover them as he goes along. So I guess, you know. But the I second mean, he taps into Charles, he's accessed everybody. Right. At that point, he should yeah. be able to know who he should really be going after. Right. You know. Um, I have a problem with, all right, let me ask you about this. What's your opinion on this? Because there's actually, it's not clear. The timeline has changed. A lot of this movie is not clear. Yeah, yes, but the timeline has changed. But we don't actually know the events of this movie or something like them didn't happen in the previous timeline. We don't know that. Sure. Because, for instance, apparently Apocalypse affecting Storm made her hair go white and amped her powers to the level that we're used to. The Halle Berry level. Yeah. Sure. So, in fact, we almost have to think that something like this did happen. Okay, I'll go with that. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not necessarily so that, you know, the timeline's that different. 
We don't um, know. I think the decimation of Cairo that happens at the end of the movie would have been brought up in X. Why? Two thousand X Men. <laughs> well, 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 no, no, no. I mean, your point is this: yeah. that when we get to that first X Men movie, one of the important differences in the timeline is supposed to be that the existence of mutants are revealed to the public um, in the early seventies. Right. In the first X Men movie, it's known. Right away, early on, Senator Kelly, there's a hearing talking about the existence of mutants. Sure. Okay. So it is known. We think it's first becoming known at that point because of the hearings. We think. We're not entirely sure about that. Sure. But that's what we're led to believe at that time. You know? So okay. was Cairo destroyed? No. I'm not saying that the exact events and everything that happened right, happened in the previous universe. But, but, but probably. Up. Right. I mean, look. There's actually not that much but that that's happened. Out, that throws out the whole angel argument. Well, the angel argument is just a mess. It doesn't right. work at all, no matter how you slice it. It's, I mean, it's, it's 20 pick, years it's, earlier. Yeah, there's a lot of picking and choosing that you just have to swallow if you're going to enjoy these movies. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, and also, even so, it's... Which is fine. And then, and then, and then they kill the character that can fly. Yeah. Because he goes down on a plane. Sure. Because that makes sense. No comment. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Why? Yeah. I mean, Psylocke. You're led to believe that Angel dies in that plane explosion. Yeah, I was led to believe that. Okay. Psylocke looked great. Yeah, but that character. It's like, <laughs> as I said, she looked great. She just, yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stand, like standing and like a lot of like posing. Yeah, posing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she looked great. No, it, but the, that costume. Did not translate to anything but cosplay. Did anyone think it was gonna? It just looked silly. Yeah, in context did. with that, what everybody did. else was wearing. Like she stood out like a sore thumb. You're just sitting there watching her wear the comic book outfit right. amongst characters who uh, were not wearing the comic it, book it, outfits, and it, you're just like, "This looks like it cosplay." Was, it, again, no different than Jennifer Garner in that bad Electra movie. Sure, I was like, yeah. "Who's why? Why? Who invited the cosplayer right. to hang out with them?" It was silly. Yeah, completely silly. Um, and I think it, there was a complaint. By the way, the costumes at the end of the movie that are reminiscent of the Jim Lee designed costumes. They have flight suits? Just because they have flight suits, people, you do not have to put them on. No, the flight suit part was silly. <laughs> but the costumes at the very end, okay. again, yeah, yeah. they're lining up, awesome. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know. The flight suit sequence, it was like, where, right. they're, where they're leaving Weapon X and all of a sudden it's like, they got flight suits. You don't have to put them on, especially not if you're in a race right. to get to the bad guy. You don't have to, guys. Just leave the. You know what? Leave the flight but suits. Now, can, can now, just, now they look like they're in uniform. Yeah, I know. But you, you know what? Just leave the flight suits. We got. We got to get to the other side of the world here. Come on. Can we just stop the bad guy? No, I got to put on flight suits. Stop it. You don't need uniformity. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> stuff like that, where I was just like, okay, here. I want to ask you this because I knew from watching. Uh, I went to visit a friend of mine in the industry, and he showed me a very early trailer, and it had. The reveal that Weapon X was in the movie, right? Which we heard. Which that—that that was the first time I was excited about the movie was hearing that. And I, but the and version I saw, it was still. Whoa! Did your your mic just? You're fine. I think you're I'm fine. fine. No, you're yeah. good. You're good. Um, the version I saw, uh, the plate had been shot, and the actors were all uh, had been shot except the Hugh Jackman stuff. That that element of the shot of him bound, jumping out of the crate was still a CGI plate like placed thing and I don't think they'd shot Hugh Jackman yet. Um but I gotta tell you like 
So the so Nightcrawler, Jean Grey, and Cyclops have to run. The, you know the other X Men are trapped by um, Striker in this room with electrified walls and you know I guess power dampeners too. And it's up to Jean, Scott, and Kurt to go and turn off this power right in a room. And in the and room, you, you know what it's yeah, going to be. And in the room is this crate with this. This this mind in it that Gene is sensing is more animal than man, and I'm like, oh, cool. Here's that Wolverine part I knew right. about, and I got to tell you, man, the the audience that I saw this movie with was already so gone that when you get this scene that you think the audience is going to go crazy for, there you could have heard a pin drop during the Wolverine scene, like nobody cared. See, and it went on very long. The audience I saw it with really liked it. I really liked that scene. It, for me, it's what the movie's about. A, a, a mutual friend of ours called me a zombie for liking that, zine, that scene. And I was like, well, I wanted to see Weapon X Wolverine. Sure, I did too. I got to see Weapon X Wolverine. Cool. He was fully feral. He killed everybody. Violently. I was, I was, going, viol- I was like, awesome. Yeah, it was very you know? cool. Um, do I think that the movie's plot went on a total tangent just to work that in? Absolutely. Yeah, no. You, is it completely stupid and irrelevant to the yeah, rest of the movie? Absolutely. It's a, the, another, the fact, another sequence where the movie puts on parking brakes yes. to go wait, in wait, a different direction. What about the fact they that... Ne- they never turn off the power. Wait. Yeah. It's, it's right there. It's five yeah. feet away in Kurt, Gene, and Scott What about the fact that, that, that the end of Days of Future Past, you see Stryker gets Wolverine, then you see it turns it's, to Mystique. And it's and Raven. Then, yeah, and it's then they forget no that. Sense. Then they forget that in this movie. If they would have just chilled out on the cute stuff and left it as Stryker, you would have had consistency. Right, but, but, that's it. but they did that in the last movie. I know, I know. So, and then it was literally like, yeah. let's, oh, I forgot that yeah. we threw that in. Yeah, did you forget that earlier in that same 1973 movie, there was a scene where Raven discovers that mutants are being tortured and kept captive, and she's horrified by it? And then by the end of the movie, there's a wink-wink scene of Raven being like, oh, I'm going to torture him. I just fished him out of the water. I mean... doesn't make sense. We think we don't really know what she's doing with him. Well, she put him in a box, and she actually turned into Striker, I guess, because... Yeah, we don't know. (laughs) But then next thing we know, Striker has him. Striker stole him from from... Striker Raven. I guess I at some point that happening. 10 years. And she didn't give a shit. I don't know what's happening. She yeah, didn't she didn't give them. a shit because she, she went off saving. So she's off saving other mutants. Yeah, she's like, hey, cage fighter, let's, I'm saving you. Yeah. Meanwhile, what about, I mean, the whole point in first class to introduce Azazel. Yes. The red teleporter. Yes. Is that in the comics, Azazel and Raven get together and have Nightcrawler. Sure. So let's not in any way acknowledge she just saved him and Safsang. I'm okay. See, I'm okay with Brian Singer and in, in, in Kinsberg like not having to acknowledge everything. I don't think that they'll end up making good movies if they're completely chained to the radiator that is the comic books. But they don't need but, to. But but it was set yeah. up. That was the point. That's why was they put it, Azazel in there. Was it set up? Dude, in the comics, Azazel only exists as the fact that he's Nightcrawler's father. <laughs> like he's really not funny. even a character other than. Who are sure. we going to make Nightcrawler's father because we know Mystic's the mother? Oh, everyone always said he's like a demon, so we're going to actually make him a demon that has to take teleports. Okay, well, I mean, I hear Which, you. by the way, in the comics, I actually hate that character. I, I, I'm not one of those people. I hate that Nightcrawler's father is an actual fucking demon. Sure. But then when you think of him as, like, a priest, and then... I understand, idea, I understand the idea like, of it, but... Redemption, and I, when he actually dies and comes back to life, and the heaven and hell sequence... I'm, I'm okay with that, but... I, I'm, I'll just put out that I'm not 
arguing that the filmmakers have to satisfy that much of the comics, especially something that's like that inside baseball. That, but it isn't because it's in their trilogy. I hear you. That detail, that I'm like, okay, they introduce these characters. They don't need to have those characters consummate the relationship and then create this other character. Fine. Well, I, I just think it's, it was going to a place they didn't feel like going. And sure. I mean, ultimately, the place that they took Mystique's character, you know, it's they, heroic. Yeah, they turned her into the hero. Yeah. As opposed to. Heroic. She, she ended up being a character who wouldn't have abandoned him. And they right. didn't want to go there and do that. Right. That's how I see that choice. Um, uh, here's a positive. Caliban. Cal- I like cool Caliban. Very different personality, but it yeah, was cool. But I'm glad they didn't kill Caliban. Caliban's yeah. one of my favorite Morlocks. Like, he is my favorite Morlock. Okay. And I love him. I think he's an awesome character. Um, I just want to be his friend. And then yeah. watching him in this movie, I will, when Apocalypse comes up to him face to face, I'm like, please do not kill him. I, I like Caliban. Please well, spare him. But in the comics, to have Caliban interact with Apocalypse and not be made strong right. sort of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the background in the comics is Caliban is like the first... We really meet Caliban before we meet the other Morlocks. Yes. And, you know, and he has a crush on Kitty Pride and all that. And ultimately, then they, they later bring out the Morlocks. But he's really nervous and confused and just very sweet. Yes. And after the Morlocks are wiped out uh, by Sinister's horsemen, Apocalypse actually makes Caliban strong. And he makes him actually super, like, super strong and sure. giant. You know, and sure. he becomes a horseman. Yeah. So that, that's the background there. So, you know, I mean, you, you, you hope for that. But here, he's not a victim at all. Uh, he's, yeah, he's in control of his yeah. black market mutant. Uh, it's almost like a, like an underground railroad for mutant type thing. I liked him. Yeah, I mean, it, it was fine. Uh, the biggest problem with this movie is structure. Hmm. Uh, I'm just going to, the biggest part yeah. of this movie is structure. The It is, I... I felt like this movie had no engine and the biggest problem is and I don't want to fall back and because that team has made great ensemble films before mm-hmm. but there is no engine to this movie and it is trying to service several masters I think a simpler movie would have been let's give Charles the engine let's say Charles you've just been faced with your biggest test I know you're trying to assemble mutants and protect mutants but what if a mutant is a threat and it is not Eric? I mean, I mean what, 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 what do you think the about the idea mutant. that, why is it, um, oh, his hair gets burned off. Sure. So, and once again, going back to the whole, did this movie happen or not? Sure. Because that's how he lost his hair, apparently. Um, so now he dresses like Patrick Stewart. <laughs> no, he dresses as Professor X. But I'm saying that. Sure. Oh, you're trying to look for a closed loop. I mean, well, literally, literally, so, it's, he doesn't dress like that. He's the professor. He has hair, but now that he doesn't have hair. He dresses that way. Yeah, no, I think, I, and I hear what you're saying. You are looking for that closed loop, but I think that when you have something like Days of Future Past, where that loop can then be rewritten, then you have to, then you have to ignore that. I, I just think you have to give these movies. Look, so uh, ultimately, much. they felt the point of this movie. I felt. You know, and there was definitely an idea out there. I mean, it's doing well. There's been talk about doing another. But going into making oh, this doing movie... Another. I mean, you saw the but, post-credits with the yes. Essex. Well, but that might just be for Wolverine 3. The Essex Corporation? You it, think that they're it, only... It might gonna... just be for Wolverine 3. And that's it? They only do Sinister for Wolverine 3 and that's it? Maybe, maybe not. Right. I, I think that post-credits sequence, that's what that set up. And including the blood, you know, there's rumors of them doing X-23. Okay. 
Okay. So, um, but I think there was definitely an idea, certainly for Jennifer Lawrence, that this is it. And if you think about how that movie ended, even down to the lines between him and Magneto, you know, which echoed, you know, the ending of, of the first movie, um, that it is a closed loop. They've now set up the X-Men as a team. There they are working together in their outfits. They're being trained. Mm-hmm. Things have changed. Mystic's more in the family than she in was the before in the, pre- in the previous. The and ultimately, but it's more than that we've done the prequels. We're on track to the future that Wolverine sees at the end of Days of Future Past. Okay. The nice future that um, is different than the future that would have happened. This so, is not the future where Jean Grey goes insane. You know, she, she, she gets her powers earlier and right. she's in control of them. She doesn't go insane by them and kill Cyclops. Right. So there's a future where she's still alive and everyone's together and happy. And the Phoenix Force doesn't turn into that. Yes. Um, so really... Because, and it's important. She embraces it early on. She chooses it. She doesn't lose control. I, I mean, I thought the young cast was great. Yeah, but I'm saying, but that's actually one of the uh, one of the positives about this movie is, in that moment, Singer is fixing X three. Mm-hmm. He's saying, well, he "Fine, to <laughs> yeah, he fixed it the last movie too." But yeah, but he's still doing that because the leftover is Jean Grey was out of control and got to that place and lost control of her powers because she was always so afraid of them. Right. So here, she makes a conscious choice to embrace them. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she's, she's using them. She's utilizing them. She's being trained in using powers at that Omega level. Sure. Okay. You know? Yeah. We that, don't, that, I mean, we don't know what, what, what lies in store for the next movie that says X-Men colon blank. Right, but, but we've, we've already seen this future at the end of Days of Future Past. This, this is... This but movie's fitting within this, that. Barring like the three bigs, right? McAvoy and mm-hmm. and, and Jennifer Lawrence, Lawrence and, and Fassbender. And Fassbender, like barring those three, there's you can use this cast. And you cast. will use this cast some more. You you could you could even use them whether you should or not. You can. I think I think sure they're great. McAvoy yeah. is great. Fassbender is great. I and, agree. And Lawrence is great, although they, they, yeah, it's turning to turn into these mystique. Mystique is trying to overpower these movies in the same way, or has overpowered these movies in the same way that that Hugh Jackman did in his. And well, she's the big star. Yeah, so I think with, know, with, yeah. You, with the with the uh, the other thing I thought when I was watching that that Weapon X sequence was if you're going to take the opportunity to recast Wolverine, just do it there. You know, you know, an old man Logan movie's coming. An old man, an old man Logan movie can still work with Hugh Jackman. Let's put like a Scott Eastwood or somebody in this one because you're already covering half his face with a helmet. You could have, yes, but I, I don't agree with you. It would, it would have been cheap. They got him to do it. It didn't take long. He didn't bulk up like he does for the others cool. for it. It was good. I was really happy with it. No, I would have been upset if it hadn't been really? Jackman. Yeah, I absolutely would have. And because he's become so iconic, look, Marvel has, is going to have the same issue with Tony Stark. Um, whereas... You know, sometimes it's literally like they've done too many and people are too frantic about it. I mean, yes, it worked for James Bond, but I think you have a big problem with casting Wolverine. Yeah, James Bond isn't part of an ensemble. Yeah, I I think what they're going to do and, you know, and following what the comics have done recently and actually doing well is if you you introduce an X-23, you have a female Wolverine and there's stuff you can do with that. Sure. You know, and you don't try to pretend it's Logan, you know, that looks different. Right. You just don't do it. But then you introduce Logan again down the line. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, there's an argument to be made on the James, you know, James Bond, is it 
was it the actor or was was it the story and the character? Right. You know, it's like, you know, with comics, you know, I used to always say, all right, you recast a character. When it's only about the character, it's just that the different artist is drawing it, you know? It doesn't necessarily matter. Sure. You know, sure. but like I think the problem Marvel has is, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is so larger than life, important, has so embodied that role. I don't think you can just bring someone else in and go, this is Tony I Stark I think that now. goes for almost all of the Avengers and, actors. And by the way... What I saw as a sign of no effort to do that, that I actually liked in Civil War, and I think I referenced this on that podcast, is that they fact they called out it's real time. Yes, um, I think that's important. I think it's good that they're doing that. Um, the choice will be: Do you just do a real time and hand off things with you? Know, maybe a new character takes over, just it becomes about other characters. Or do you eventually reboot? And I don't think there's a need to. We're so nowhere close to focus, a point of reboot. So you put the focus on other characters, other characters for a bit, and you, you trade back, things off. There's a new Captain America. Look, yeah, I mean, at a certain point, if Tony Stark's in the movie, he's you know, he's the older statesman, and he's not getting in the Iron Man suit mm-hmm. and fighting. Or I mean, the other argument is he can, you know. Look, I mean, again, not to make it about fitness, but um, yeah, I'm just messing with Mike. Yeah, Sorry, but um. Tony Stark in Civil War. Right. Downey didn't work out much for that movie. Okay. Yeah, well, he's in armor. But I'm saying you can actually tell. It's not a big deal. It doesn't matter. Right. But he had worked out more for the other movies. Um, um, it doesn't matter. He doesn't feel a need. You know, and he, exactly. He doesn't have to. You know, it's not Chris Hemsworth. It's not Chris Evans. Right. Who they got to be like as fit as they could possibly be, you know, play those roles. So... You want to bring up the fact that Fox has just greenlit Legion on FX. So I did want to bring that up. Like, what, this is like a 10, ten, ep- ten, episode ten episodes. Season. And Legion so, is based on the character that is Charles Xavier's right. son. And now we're getting a series based on right. it that will premiere in the fall, do you believe? Or will probably premiere next spring? Probably spring, I would think. Because they got 10 episodes to shoot. They only have the pilot and then they ordered it to series. I mean, they have to write. Yeah, the X-Men are coming yeah. to TV. I'm, I'm just, to, to be clear, if they've already been writing, sure. they, if, they, if they were to start filming in July, it would be on in the fall. Right. But if they're not going to start filming till later, it won't be on until spring or summer. So we've got this Legion. Right. This is an X-Men series. So, that is so what's interesting to... is it is Marvel for TV. It's yeah. Jeff Loeb involved. But it is also the producers of, of the X stuff. It's Lauren Donna Schuler. Um, it's... Um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Kinsberg? Kinsberg's involved. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, all the people involved with the X-Men movies are involved in this. Um, Brian Singer's involved. Talk about the character. For the so, so, so Legion is Xavier's son by a character we actually didn't see in the movies, but in the, sh- in the comics, there was a character who was Israeli, who, you know, it was actually, if you, if you try to date it, it's probably the 50s. It was... Prior to X Men One, yeah, he's in the desert. Where, where, yeah, when, when Xavier, before Xavier and um, Magneto had a falling out, yeah, um, this wo- woman that Xavier met and knocked up, and he didn't know, right? And so she had a kid. And do you think the series is going to be well, so acknowledging the, the film? So that's the that's the thing. That's what I'm wondering. Is I feel like it isn't. And what is Legion's powers? What are the um, so so Legion is is psionic, mm-hmm. you know, like his father, but beyond his father. Uh, Legion has emotional issues. He's schizophrenic. He's, he's, he has multiple personality disorder. And 
in Legion's case, it's literally whatever personality you control has a different power. Right. So if he wasn't so, if he didn't have such a fractured psyche, he would be like this beyond Omega level mutant. He'd have all these different powers. But literally because he's fractured. Now, there was actually a point in the comics recently where they had him kind of get a handle on, the, on that and try to merge his abilities. Sure. But and he's, he's basically really a super team within a certain yes. single body. Yes. He's like a super team within one and, person. And, and, and we'll see just how fractured they make and what they do with it. There's different things you can do. So, so the question becomes, look, you can do a story of Legion like the comic that was recently done without acknowledging the X-Men. Sure. But do you? See, to me, and this is what I wanted to say to you is, for me, and, and I actually like this show a lot, um, I, actually, I love this show, but it's reminiscent of me to what season one of Supergirl was. Yes. Um, which is, you have the DC movies, you have Superman and DC movies. Now you go and do Supergirl show. You know, you really can't use Superman, but you've right. got to acknowledge him. Yes. You know, like, you know, it's like, what do you do with him? You see but, his but But she, she's needed to be separate from the other DC shows. You see him in the crowd shots. Yeah, so it's like, so Superman's out there, she's in that world, but it's not the world that the other DC shows are doing with the Berlani and all that. It so, and, and, and ultimately, they did a crossover acknowledging that they're different worlds. Right. You know, but, so, so, so this is what I'm wondering. Um, it's likely it's not going to be the, the ABC... Netflix Agents of Shield world. Sure. You know, it's, but I don't know. I don't think it's going to be this X Men world. Right. Then the ar- other argument is that even if it is, what's well, probably present day. So maybe that saves something. You can have Ryan Reynolds. You know? Um, I think after this movie, uh, as we said earlier, um, you know, Deadpool definitely exists. So we didn't do the Deadpool um, special. So l- let's say this about Deadpool. And, you know, Deadpool, of course, breaks the fourth wall a lot, which is great. He references, you know, the existence of Fastbender versus Stewart and that kind of thing. Um, I think Deadpool, there's no reason to think it isn't modern day-ish. Sure. Okay? Um, one of the things about Deadpool is I felt that Deadpool actually incorporated Wolverine Origins into it. I mean, yes, there's the jokes about what Deadpool looked like in it, but there's the idea that Wade was a soldier of fortune. Sure. You know, he it was action figures of the movie. Yeah, but he he had been that. Mm-hmm. So, but history changed. So it actually it actually works to some extent. The one problem being the timeline. Sure. Because Wolverine Origins ostensibly was in the eighties. Right. So they sort of don't deal with that so much. Because Days of Future Past wouldn't have rewritten that. Right. I right. mean, Wade would have been born when he was born, or whatever. But. By the way, Deadpool, they don't actually say when it is. Right. You know? Um, I mean, cell phones, there are things that indicate it's more or less modern day. Sure. But my feeling is that, so let's call Deadpool modern day, and that modern day is more or less likely, well, by the way, Days of Future Past at the end? Yes. Felt like modern day. Yeah. It's not the future. Well, it's their it's just, future. It's that future. Yeah. No, 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 wait a second. When is it? Is well, it how old is he in that? Gene Gray's alive, everyone's alive, they're not I would really put old. It concurrently with X3, had X3, yeah. I would no, I would have called it later than X3. L- later than X3 because Henry is like in the mansion teaching classes and things like Yeah, okay. I mean, so you would put Well, by the way, thing. one of the giant one of the other giant inconsistencies is Henry. Yeah. Well, Hank, yeah. So you would put X the ending of Days of Future Past concurrently with maybe Deadpool? Yeah. 
That that would be my feeling. All right, um, Ian. Let's wrap this up. Okay. X Men Apocalypse. Problematic has some fun moments, but a very flawed film. And can we get another swing at Apocalypse later on down the line? We're not gonna. There's no reason to. But you'd actually get the real Apocalypse. What's that? You'd actually get the real Apocalypse if you did that. It's it's not gonna happen. I mean, my, my initial reaction was when I heard no cable in it, and a fine will get cable in Deadpool 2, and I went, oh, that's a missed opportunity. Um, but, I mean, what are they going to do? Are they going to do a giant cable movie in the future with Apocalypse? I mean, can they? Did it happen in sure. the comics? Yeah, but, you know. Apocalypse th- survived. Th- th- there's just, I, I mean, look. There's a lot more stuff to be explored, the, the, and I think if we start revisiting the, the, things. The, 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 we, yeah, yeah. The, exactly. The big question becomes, did they sign Oscar Isaac for more than one movie? Because he ain't going to choose to do it he again. He just jumps in a different body. We'll have carrot top plan. Yeah, you can you can do that, but but why? Right. Yeah, there's, now there's I, more I, stuff I, to be explored. You're right. Like, like I, with, I, I think with I the think whole you, Eric narrative being in part of every single movie. It's yeah, like, get away from let's that. Let's start getting uh, into the. Uh, look, my feeling is this: you can reference Apocalypse's existence sure. by exposition with Cable. Sure. It came from this future. The reality is, it's many many years of Cable stories when you actually know they come from the future by Apocalypse. Like you don't see it. Yeah, we don't need it. It doesn't matter. It's just that here's a character that existed and. That happened. Yeah, we don't need it yet. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll see you on the next one, which I think is going to end up being Suicide Squad. Squad? Yeah. I mean, there's other things we could do, but probably. Let's talk on in August. Geekscapist, thank you so much for listening. Ian, um, let's hope that the next X movie is better than this one. But you know what? 12-year-old me was still pretty psyched to see this movie because it was a movie that 12-year-old me never thought they were going to end up seeing. So, yeah, I always take refuge in that. Um, they don't realize that you're actually totally taking a dig at me for giving you grief about being so negative and me telling you that. I was negative? Yeah, you know, you can be a little negative when we talk outside of these things. Um, only about Fantastic Four. Uh, well, I'm not just talking movies. I'm talking about everything. <laughs> TV in particular. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I get critical of television. Because, you know what? This is a two-hour investment. Television is a 22, 23-hour every every quarter investment, and that one hurts. Uh, love you, Geekscapists. We'll see you guys on the next one.